One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. Screen time, screen time. Hello, and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming. From Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters, we watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Katie. And I'm Deborah. And I have two kids, Jay, he's seven, and Kenny, he's four. And I have three kids, Tony is 13, and Libby and Nate are 10. Listeners, you can't see this, but I love the way before we announce our kids' ages, Deborah just looks up and to the side as if she really has to think about it for a minute. I do. (laughs) Oh, they're getting so old, but they are still adorable, aren't they? And always will be. We like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are, because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. Katie, would you like to start off this segment? I would love to, and I think this ends up being less of a story about my kid and more of a personal triumph, but I'm okay with that. (laughs) So, you know, in addition to teaching music classes, I also do story times for little babies and like toddlers. And I'm always, I struggle with it a little bit because I'm always trying to find ways to hold their interest, to hold the interest of all the different age groups for like the allotted time that I have. And sometimes I'm successful and sometimes I'm not, which yes, I know is how life works. But this week was Read Across America week. So of course my kids had a spirit week all week. Oh my gosh, so many different outfits. But... (laughs) They also encouraged the parents to come in and read in the classrooms yesterday. So I went into Kenny's classroom to read and I just brought some of my supplies that I had from my story time, even though Kenny's class is a couple years older than the normal story times I do. But I Mm -hmm. brought a bunch of felt stories And man, did they respond to them how like children would respond in my dreams. Like, it was just perfect. They were so enthusiastic. They were participating. They laughed in all the right places. And I was like, oh, this is how these are supposed to work. And like, obviously, I'm just using the tool for the wrong age group. But it really made me feel good. I don't think I know what a felt story is. You know, if you have ever gone to library story times, they sometimes have that big easel up that's covered in felt and they can like stick little felt Uh, characters to it. And sometimes in libraries, they use them for like learning letters. They'll have like a letter of the day they'll put up there. And sometimes they can use them for telling stories like they put up little characters or whatever. And that's what I use them for. Okay. I I understand that concept now. And my library didn't have one of those. Nice. That's great. In short, it was just really fun. It was really fun to read to both kids' classes. I also read to the second graders, and they were also very enthusiastic, though I didn't need the felt stories because second graders. How about you? What have your kids been up to? So today, my kids do not have school, and all week, Tony has been looking forward to this morning. He slept in, and his dream morning is to go to Starbucks get a latte and a slice of lemon loaf, go to the public library that's down the block, 
and read all morning. And like, that's kind of my ideal morning also. Yeah, same, same. Yeah. So he will get a latte, like a some sugary caramel style latte every once in a while. So he's he's really getting grown up. Oh, <laughs> that is too sweet. Yeah. So we have a really good screen time in the news article that you picked out from the Wall Street Journal by Julie Jargon, which is an awesome name for a writer. Uh-huh. Okay. It's the title is Why I'm Not Writing About Kids and Screen Time Anymore. The next phase of research on screen use will focus on family dynamics. And so maybe this is why we can't get our screen time article published, because like mainstream news has just moved on. Screen time, not a hot topic anymore. Um, but this writer is like, she's, this is her final column, column on screen time. She's not going to deal with it anymore. She's got five recommendations at the end, washing her hands of it. You people figure it out on your own. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of the tone of the article, but um, she points out a few different studies that, <clears throat> and we've noticed this trend too, like screen time in and of itself isn't bad. It's like how families are using it and not surprisingly, but unfortunately, like kids who grow up in more affluent, privileged families tend to not feel negative effects of the screen time, whereas kids from lower income, less privileged families whose families might be using screen time as sort of like a babysitter and not monitoring it and as much as a more helicoptery mom might do have academic consequences for spending too much time on screens. I did like the five screen time commandments at the end. Before we talk about those, what what were you th your thoughts about the article? Well, I just thought how fortuitous that for our 150th episode, we have discovered just in time that we don't have to follow future screen time research and our job is done <laughs> and we can just delete this segment from the podcast. <laughs> Um, it's just always, it's refreshing when someone else other than us recognizes the alarmist attitude of the articles that cover every latest study because, you know, there can be terrifying scientific studies about everything. I'm drinking coffee right now, which means that I'm undoubtedly killing myself somehow, according to some mm -hmm. scientific study somewhere, so... It's nice to have someone who has also synthesized their research come to a similar conclusion that we have come to. Yeah, I think screens are really demonized. And then the root causes of problems with children are ignored, mm -hmm. like income inequality. I liked this line, screens aren't cigarettes. They may be addictive, but they don't inherently cause harm. <laughs> I like that too. Um, so her five screen time commandments are no screens at the dinner table, no screens in the bedroom, which makes me feel guilty because my kids will read ebooks on screens sometimes when A they're going to bed. A different thing. I don't think this is talking about ebooks. Ebooks are. Just I know, but then she now. says late at night when kids are unsupervised, and we totally like set it and forget it. They're reading on an ebook. Anyway. Is the answer now that like kids have to have a tablet and a dedicated e-reader? 
Oh. Or am I just no. not familiar enough with the parental controls? You can probably switch a dongle that says, like, after 7 p.m. they can only read books. Probably. No screens for babies. Stick to smart, positive content. Take regular breaks. All reasonable recommendations. Agreed. Reminds me a little bit of the screen time pyramid, which I still personally reference nearly every day. Yeah, you can't beat a good infographic, really. (laughs) All right. Well, spoiler, because I said it earlier, but it is our 150th episode. I'm so excited to be recording this with you, Deborah. Same. What an exciting long and lovely road it has been. Uh, But before we get to the meat of the episode, we should probably do a little follow up. I'm dying to know if you bought that M rated video game for Tony. We did not. We're not going to. And we haven't heard about it in at least a week. Yes, I love it. You stuck to your guns and it paid off and the worst is over. That is exactly what I like to hear. Yeah, he is on to, there's like an update to one of his favorite games coming. So I think that took over the space in his brain that was devoted to my parents are so unfair and won't let me play an M-rated game. I'm glad. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I would like to solicit some suggestions for pass and play games. Do you play any screen-based pass and play games with your kids? I didn't know there were screens. So is this like you pass an iPad around? Yeah. Or a phone around? Yeah. Oh, my kids would probably love that. I don't know anything about this. And I, I think... thought you meant like bop it. <laughs> well, yeah, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bop it-esque and maybe they have something mildly equivalent. They probably have like a pass and play Simon app now that you mention it. That seems very mm. achievable on a tablet or a phone yeah but my kids even when we're doing something else and I am just on my phone for a quick second to add something to the grocery list or something they want to be crowding behind me to look at what I'm doing on my phone and I just thought sometimes it would be nice to have something that is screen based that gives them that like thrill of being able to play with mom's phone but that Mm -hmm. we could be doing together And wasn't like, hey, mom, take a run at this video game thing that is a thing that I hate doing anyway. Right. So I was just wondering if our listeners had any suggestions for good pass and play games that they've used on their tablets or their phones or whatever, because I think that sounds like a good idea. So more family based screen time. All right. Well, today's topic is our 150th episode. We wanted to take some time to just talk over the state of screen time and screen content, both for us as parents and for the world. A lot has changed in the five years that we've been making this podcast. A lot has changed in our approaches to screen time. A little bit has changed in the world's approaches to screen time. A lot has changed in the content that's available to watch as a family. So let's talk a little bit about the evolution of our approaches to screen time from strict limits to a more family viewing based approach and maybe a little bit the sense of peace that this has temporarily given us. So I think even when we started this podcast, which... Listeners, if you haven't been with us from the beginning, Jay was only 18 months old. So I was 
breaking the rules from the beginning because I was starting a children's podcast, a children's <laughs> television podcast before my son was technically old enough to be consuming things on screens. Uh, so Deborah's limits were always stricter than mine. So I guess I wanted to start with you and just see, looking back on your strategies when they were really young, how you feel about them after five years of reading and thinking about screen time. Yeah, it's totally different five years later because when we started the podcast, we were using screen time as like a babysitter. So like I could take a shower and the kids wouldn't die because they'd just be glued to the television set watching something like pretty simple like Sesame Street or like Paw Patrol was huge in in my house at the time. And now my kids can even like stay home alone by themselves. And um, screen time is just purely entertainment most of the time, sometimes educational. And so we're just navigating it in a totally different way. Even though my kids aren't as old as yours are, I feel like we're obviously on the same trajectory. Like it feels a lot less fraught the farther away you get from those super early years. Mm -hmm. Making a conscious effort to experience screen time with my kids has really helped me to be more present in my interactions with them and think about it more like forming a real relationship as opposed to, especially in those early days as a parent, a lot of childcare and parenting just feels like you're like ticking boxes of things you need to do with them. So I think the more that we experience screen time together, Mm -hmm. the more together I feel we are, as silly as that sounds. Yeah, and I think that... In the earlier days, like we had control of the remote control and we were like, this is what you can watch. And now that my kids are older and have like developed some taste of their own, good or bad, depending on how you look at it, I think we can sit down together and I can like watch one of their YouTube channels that I have an attitude about, but I can see like why they're laughing at it and what they like about it. And then I can say, well, let's watch this movie and they never want to watch what I want to watch but then after we've watched it they will concede that it was good so I feel like it's sort of a back and forth learning to appreciate even if you might not like the same things but like have an appreciation for why they're watching what they're watching if that makes sense Do they 100% hate it when every time you watch a YouTube video with them, you then want to engage them in a dialogue afterwards about what they find compelling about it and why they want to watch it? They are, they, okay, so they're big talkers when we're watching something, it drives Jeremy nuts. But if we're watching a YouTube thing, like I can ask as many questions, like, why are they doing that? What's he doing? Where are they going with this? And they'll just talk all the way through it. So no, they don't care because <laughs> we do it while while the show is on. That's great. I like that. So we're kind of segueing into this a little bit, but let's talk about how we're looking at things in the future when it comes to coming to terms with our kids' solo screen time as they grow. This is obviously something you have way, 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 way more experience with than I do. What are What are your thoughts? Well, video games are huge and I would so much rather watch a show or a movie than deal with video games. I think my kids talk about like Roblox 
and stuff like at lunch and recess with their friends. And I think they play games based on like Roblox games they've all played. So it's, I'm not going to like ban it because I do think it would sort of ostracize them socially if they were like just not allowed at all. But that's a world I don't want to really, podcast wise, I don't want to delve into it. I know. That just isn't how I want to spend my time. But parent wise, I have to. Yeah. So do you feel pressured? Do you like preview video games before they play them? How does that even work in like an endless sandbox world like Roblox? I don't. Jeremy's a little bit more engaged because he does like to play some Nintendo games. And so he's more up on it. But I just don't deal with it. And I don't have any, I'm not in control of any of the accounts. So if they want to like download something new, they have to go through Jeremy because he's got the... (laughs) He's got the passwords. I like it. You got to give the responsibility to the person who has the strengths. Amy, friend of the pod, Amy, she introduced me to the concept before of like the swimming parent. Her husband is the swimming parent because I would always be trying to like arrange playdates around like a beach or a pool or something. And she was finally like, you know, I'm not really the swimming parent. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah. And I'm totally the swimming parent. Jeremy is definitely the video game parent. (laughs) As long as you have one in that role, you don't need to involve everybody. All right, then I'm just going to wash my hands of this and leave it to Kevin. He can be the video game parent. (laughs) All right, problem solved. I can feel my sense of dread lifting as we speak. (laughs) What about navigating YouTube? I feel like being wildly misinformed about things because we heard them from our friends when we were kids. Makes for amusing anecdotes now. Like, you could be sitting around with friends and say, can you believe I thought that this is where babies came from because I heard it from Timmy on the playground? And that's, like, very funny. But misinformation feels so much more actively harmful now because there's just so much of it and it's so ever-present. And Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's just because I'm the parent now and not the child or if it really is more of a problem. Yeah, I do worry about YouTube because it's just designed like social media applications to keep you watching. And I do worry about those awful stories where people have been radicalized, like whether they're like jihadis or January 6th people. So it's just terrifying to think about giving them that amount of independence on the internet. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then at the same time, You're in Florida. I've seen like news stories about how like libraries are being, school libraries are just being gutted and there's no way they're paying a, like a media center specialist to teach kids about digital information literacy in that environment. And here in Minnesota, like my kids media specialist at their schools got cut. Yeah, so few schools have media specialists. And now the ones that they are, it's like their sole job is to review every book on the shelf of every library. So I don't think they have time to deal with digital literacy. Yeah, so I think we have to take on information literacy like at home. And I'm kind of a nag about it because if they, my kids say, oh, I heard this, I'll be like, well, what's your source? <laughs> I love it. You keep nagging them. <laughs> So that's a that's a tough one. YouTube is a minefield. 
I am still super excited about my plan to hack the algorithm, but it hasn't fully worked yet because I still get push notifications from YouTube for all these terrible Minecraft videos. So I got to keep working it. (laughs) I like it. I I hope your plan works out. Thanks. I'll keep you and our (laughs) listeners posted. (laughs) how about we take a crack at the changing content landscape obviously there's been this explosion of content thanks to streaming services we barely watch shows that aren't easily available via big streaming platforms anymore which sorry nickelodeon in the early days of the pod sometimes we would watch things on cable but that almost never happens anymore and we would like record things yeah When they were on the television schedule, that seems like so antiquated now. It really does. And that was only five years ago. It also means that shows can be super important to your kids, but you can't find them on lunchboxes. Side note. (laughs) Right. Because there's so much content and there's so much niche stuff that even though your kid passionately loves Grizzly and the Lemmings, they're like not selling Grizzly and the Lemmings backpacks at Target. Right. It's obviously a struggle to keep up with all of it, both as critics and as parents, and we are obviously always missing something, and yet there are still somehow lulls when we have nothing to cover, which I guess should keep us busy during the coming content contraction. Is that because budgets are, like, budgets are going, big budgets are going away? Yeah. Yeah, I like the fact that there are so many options, because I think... Anyone can find a show that really speaks to them. And there's a lot of good shows. And there's like the Ms. Marvel one was just fabulous. And something like that would never have been made when we were kids. The one downside, I think, to having like a ton of shows to choose from is that like our kids, their generation won't have like the same cultural touchstones that we did. Like I remember like bonding with people over dumb stuff like scooby-doo and like he-man um and everybody had watched like all the same shows no matter where they had grown up that's true i'm trying to think i mean other than paw patrol what else has really reached out and kind of touched every corner yeah for my kids it's probably like minions oh yeah everybody knows minions Um, I did read somewhere that Nickelodeon was finally going to take its streaming platform, which is called Noggin, and fold it into Paramount Plus, which would be really nice. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, because we do feel bad that we don't cover as many Nickelodeon shows. It's just harder to get to them. I wish there was a way you could subscribe to all the kids content on like Hulu, HBO, Netflix. Like, I wish there was, like, an aggregator for just kids' content from all the streaming services. Oh, like a kids' bundle. I kept the Hulu subscription. Since then, I've watched, like, a ton of good adult content, grown-up content on Hulu. But for a while, I was just, like, paying for it and not using it because sometimes we'd watch a show on there and that felt wasteful. But I think I've gotten my money's worth out of Hulu. But that said, if any streaming services want to... uh, sponsor our monthly streaming fees we will cover your shows disproportionately and not feel bad about (laughs) it at all (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what else I wish? I wish that the PBS Kids subscription weren't spun off from your regular PBS subscription. Why, when I donate to PBS, do I get access to all the grown-up content but none of the kids' content? And I have to pay oh, for I that didn't separately. Realize. I didn't realize that. That's a racket. It really is. So obviously we could complain about streaming services all day. <laughs> I have a note in here to talk again about the blurry line between professional content and amateur content because in addition to all the professionally produced streamers out there, we obviously also have YouTube, which we've talked about quite a bit and how hard it is as a parent to know the good stuff, to find the good stuff, to direct your kids to the good stuff. And like we've said many times before, we only predict that that difficulty will increase <laughs> And all we can say is we'll do our best to navigate it, but it's going to be just as tricky for us as it is for everyone else, right? And maybe that's where the cultural touchstones are. Maybe all the babies of Gen Z parents will know Ms. Rachel. Like, that's true. In the way that we had Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street, or maybe maybe all the Zoomers will trade notes on Mr. Beast when they're in their early 20s. Oh my gosh. I hate that thought. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, we're cranky old now yeah five years of podcasting think back into the misty misty days the years long past what did we think would be big in terms of kids content that just hasn't panned out the thing that came to mind for me right away was the interactive content on netflix we covered quite a few interactive shows i want to say in the 2017 2018 period mm -hmm. thinking that this would be where things were trending. And you still get a few here and there. But for the most part, I feel like it hasn't panned out. Yeah, it's like the technology isn't quite there or something. Do you think it was a missed opportunity? Or are you pretty much okay with it not being there? I'm okay with it not being there. My kids would probably argue they think those shows are fun. And they like the Bear Grylls one. So maybe it's just a matter of perspective. But it is true in terms of numbers that I just don't feel like I've seen as much of it as I anticipated. I would. Mm -hmm. Anything else that you thought would be big that didn't really pan out? Well, I think some of the shows like Julian the Phantoms that we really liked that got canceled, like there have been some disappointments along the way. I was thinking about that Babysitter's too. Club. And the ones that I wrote down right away were Julian the Phantoms and Emily's Wonder Lab. And yeah. these were one season shows that we really liked that got canned by Netflix. And we're only going to see more of that now that the, the profit imperative is uh, more mm. present at Netflix these days, which makes me sad because this was even in the salad days for Netflix where they were spending money on content left and right. And they still axed these really great shows. Right. The other thing I have to say Pixar movies they just haven't been doing it for me they just yeah they were they came in so hot with their first few movies and you know what we'll always review them and watch them but man I just haven't been liking them it feels like homework at this point there was a really funny tweet this isn't even a Pixar movie but it was about Puss in Boots okay so there's this poet I follow on Twitter he his name is Hanif Abdurraqib and he tweeted this thread about how he had the day off he thought it'd be fun to go catch a movie puss in boots he was ready for something like light and fun and silly yes he's a adult man going to a kid's movie by himself but he's fine with it and then he's like yo wait this is about death <laughs> and like the themes of the movie were so heavy and caught him so by surprise I thought that was hilarious that is funny and very much in line from what we saw from that old panel of animators yeah oh my 
gosh, remember um, the piano one? Piano one. It was like Christmas last year. Was it not even Pixar? Oh, Soul? Yes, Soul. <laughs> yes, and it was bad. <laughs> it was a good movie, but now what I wanted out of a Pixar animated film. Yeah, it was a good movie, but it was not a fun movie. And no. it's not a movie I ever need to watch again. <laughs> and I feel the same about Lightyear, although I don't even really think that was a good movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. super not excited about yet another Toy Story movie. I know they get a lot of mileage out of the Toy Story franchise, but I just feel like every new movie in that franchise is just asking too much of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. We went a little bit through what we thought would pan out that didn't pan out. What, on the flip side, are you surprised caught on as much as it has? I'm surprised and disappointed by the blippy phenomenon. I think he's one of the worst things out there. I guess I'm surprised by, like, reality shows. On the one hand, I think they're, like, really inventive, like Lego Masters and, like, the cooking shows. Kind of surprises me that that format works for kids. I hope I'm not willing this into the world because I desperately don't want to. (laughs) But on that note, I am at least extremely grateful that it's pretty much stuck to competition-based reality shows, and we don't have many examples of those slice-of-life reality shows for kids in the vein of a Kardashians or a Below Decks or something like that. Yeah, I think those folks are on TikTok. I see a lot of ads on Hulu for like the D'Angelo sisters show. I think they're like TikTok stars who parlayed that into a reality show. You're right. And you're totally right. That's exactly the genre that we just talked about, that huge atavist article. That's exactly the genre that's happening on YouTube. So you're right. It's all on TikTok and YouTube. And I am old and out of touch. <laughs> Can I just take a moment to restore our faith in humanity? Yes. Speaking please. of things that were surprise caught on, Deborah. If you had asked me four years ago or whenever this was, if we would have gotten three Zombies movies, I would have said no. (laughs) The first was great, but this will probably not be a trilogy. But it has been a trilogy. Diminishing returns, but a trilogy nonetheless. (laughs) (laughs) So I am surprised yet pleased. I love a made-for-TV Disney movie. Oh, yes. So consistent. Mm-hmm. We should look at their upcoming slate. Talk about a good thing yeah, to do should. during the content contraction. Totally. <laughs> what are you looking forward to seeing in the coming years? These are two separate things. I'm looking forward to seeing more movies in theaters because my family really took a break from that. And then on Christmas Day night... We went to see Avatar and everybody still talks about it. It's March now. (laughs) Like it was one of the best things we've ever done together as a family. And so I think we need more of that. And I'm feeling a little more comfortable going to a theater. On the flip side, I also love that we can watch pretty much anything almost as soon as it comes out from the comfort of our own couches. That is very nice. Yeah. We have an exciting theatrical release slate coming up in terms of kids movies in April we've got the Super Mario Brothers movie coming 
Yep. And there's a new Peter Pan coming that looks pretty fun. It's called Peter Pan and Wendy. Is that the live action Peter Pan? Yes. And it looks like they're doing a retcon on Wendy to make her like less of a nurturing wifey type character and more of a co-agent in the action, more like Peter in that sense. Okay. She's kind of a pushover. Yeah. In the original. Well, she just comes into the story to make Peter realize that he wants his mom, right? I think so. And then this summer I was looking because I was I told you I also wrote down I was looking forward to seeing more movies in theaters. You remember how we put that white bird movie on our watch list and then it just kind of disappeared? Yeah. What happened to that? It's coming out this summer, at least according to what I could find. And listeners, this is a historical fiction piece that is somehow tangentially related to the Wonder story, which uh, was a charming book that made me ugly cry when I read it. And later Mm -hmm. a movie starring Julia Roberts. But it's historical fiction for kids and I feel like we often struggle to find good content that teaches history to kids that's exciting to them so I'm I'm interested to see how that pans out I am this is more of a parenting thing I am looking forward to watching some more grown-up content with especially Tony like he really wants to try Stranger Things and The Last of Us I think because it's based on a video game so that is not really related to this podcast because it's not children's media, but it's fun to like watch your kids grow up and graduate from the 12 inch training wheels bike to the five speed two wheeler, right? I love it. I'm a little jealous. That's all I'm looking forward to, I think. How about you? Something that we've seen increasingly in the past five years that I'm looking forward to continuing is just to see more multicultural content coming out. I like that we see more faces that aren't just white men and white people in general. Totally. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. Uh, obviously, my hope is that we continue to get more big budget musicals for kids. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's just mm-hmm. me, though. I did see, speaking of my own personal preferences, that Netflix is doing a sequel to the movie Chicken Run, which oh. is a stop motion animation from the late 90s done by Ardman, which is the same studio that does Shaun the Sheep. Okay. So you know I love that style. I'll be excited to see it, even though I don't really trust much with Netflix these days. And in that vein, I did recently learn that Netflix has the rights to the Chronicles of Narnia. Which kind of makes me sad because it means we won't see another Chronicles of Narnia franchise probably for a really, really long time. Have you watched those movies? With the kids? Yeah. Yeah, we just did. I think their interest flagged, so I don't even know that we made it all the way through. They only made three movies, so they stopped at Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and I don't even think we made it all the way through. But they were super in it for Prince Caspian. That one was a lot of fun for them because there's a lot of sword fighting. And that is very Mm -hmm. much my kid's jam. Libby was a real Narnia head about two years ago, I think. And so we watched all of those. She loved them. Yeah, I think they're well done movies. But, Mm -hmm. you know, as someone who read those books a lot as a kid, I've always wanted them to kind of expand it into a series length universe. And it's sad to know that that probably won't happen for a long time. Yeah. Perhaps my favorite question on this sheet, what do we still wish would go away? Or 
perhaps what are we surprised is still a thing. I have to second you on Blippy here. Blippy has gone into an entirely different Blippy. It's not even the same dude anymore and it's still going. So I'm ready to be done with that world. Yeah, I mean, can I just say YouTube? I... But then that would like include John Green's channel yeah, and show. Crash so I guess there is some stuff that like, gosh, what if you could just play God of YouTube and just cancel all of the bad content? It'd be such a good feeling. It would be. Not that we're for censorship. We're for curating collections. Exactly. That can all still exist. I guess you're right. I would just make it easier to navigate. Mm-hmm. I like that answer. It makes me sad though (laughs) how about the Muppets I'm kind of surprised the Muppets are still a thing and I feel like they keep trying Disney owns the rights to the Muppets now they keep trying Mm -hmm. to do different things with them we covered this new Muppets now show that does not seem like it was much of a success and then they shoehorned the Muppets into the most recent season of Holy Moly which worked horribly I thought I'm just ready to let maybe it's time to let the Muppets go I feel like they must be making money for somebody and that's why they keep showing up but yeah that variety show that we watched wasn't very good I mean, is it just nostalgic Gen Xers? Because like, they'll buy the t-shirt. Like, you don't have to keep making new content. It's fine. Right. And finally, on my list, I wish the Buddies franchise would just go away. (laughs) Space Buddies, even? (laughs) And Spooky Buddies and Ghost Puppies or whatever the one was we (laughs) reviewed this year. I'm just surprised that this is still the state of the technology. You have a cold iron heart, Katie Curler. (laughs) Well established. Well established. (laughs) Well, it is early March while we are recording this and the Oscars are coming up. Do you want to do a quick best of rundown just for funsies? Yes. Okay, so we're taking these from any show or movie we have covered in the entire run of our podcast, okay? It doesn't have to be just in the past year. Oh, okay. All right. Do you feel like that throws you for a loop? Yeah, but that's okay. Do you have, because I just threw you for a loop here, do you have a category you want to start with because you feel really comfortable in your choice? We can call it best live action movie. I really liked Matilda the Musical. I went with... Paddington 2, which we covered quite a while ago, but was really great. Yeah. With an honorable mention for Dora and the Lost City of Gold, if only for that Michael Pena rave scene that we have to mention like every month. God, I love that. (laughs) I'm so glad that that movie exists in the world just so we can have that clip for best animated movie. I would say um, Encanto. Yeah. It definitely wins for the most repeated in our house. I went with Mitchell's versus the Machines, though, in terms of pure enjoyment on my part. That's also a really good one. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That was when we watched like 100 episodes ago, but that was a really good movie. That was, and we're getting a sequel to that, too, I think, this summer. That would be worth seeing in the theater. Okay, I know these aren't theatrical releases, but what about shows? How about best live action show? I picked The Babysitter's Club, hands down. So good, so much fun to watch. So sad that it ended after just a couple seasons, but so glad it exists. And hopefully Netflix doesn't unceremoniously pull it 
For me, it's a toss up between Doogie Kami Aloha and Ms. Marvel. I thought I really liked both of those really good shows about teen protagonists that I would have loved to watch when I was like about 12 years old. Well, we know for sure we'll be getting more of Ms. Marvel. I haven't heard anything on the Doogie front. How about best animated show? Remember Apple and Onion? Yes. I liked that one. And also Kid Cosmic has a, I liked that one a lot too. I think about that scene on the subway where there's a jello <laughs> and like the guy next time on the subway just gets sucked into the jello. Yeah. I mean, what an absurdist delight Apple and Onion That was, was. really fun. I should revisit, revisit that. I went way back in our catalog as well for Best Animated Show, and I had to go with My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Oh, that's a good one. Still really good. We revisit it every once in a while. I feel like Jay has gone through the age, which was appropriate, and Kenny is now in that age. So we watch it mm-hmm. every once in a while, and it's still a hit. It's still interesting and engaging to watch as a grown-up, too. So that's my pick. Uh, with, of course, an honorable mention to my forever love, Number Blocks. I was wondering when you were going to mention Number Blocks. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. a good one. Love it so much. But I feel like it's almost <laughs> a totally different category because it's so obviously educational. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess I should have made a category for best educational content, but we know what would win Number Blocks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to agree on this category, but how about best animated voice talent? And if you want, we can split it into actor and actress categories. I think I'm going to go with Grey Delisle. She's in everything. She is incredibly prolific, and she's been in so much that we've loved. She's very versatile. I was looking at her filmography, and like I feel like we first discovered her in Bolt which was a pretty old Disney Mm -hmm. movie. But then she's been in so much all the way through to Kid Cosmic, which is fairly recent. She was in DC Superhero Girls, Unikitty, even Mm -hmm. Elena of Avalor. I mean, you name it. She's done some voice work in it. On the male side, I would probably go with Chris O'Dowd just because Puffin Rock is so good. His calm, avuncular narration on that show is just, oh, it's just soothing me to even talk about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I feel like nothing's going to ruffle me today now. (laughs) (laughs) Any other awards you want to give out? If you could only pick one streaming service to subscribe to, what would it be? I think I would go with Disney Plus. Agreed. Uh, If only for the nightly Encanto watching. Like, what what would we do if we didn't have that? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like my instinct is Netflix because it has so much. But then for quality agreed and reliability i think disney is the better choice exactly should we do 10 seconds on what we like most about podcasting it's my bi-weekly appointment with you katie i know it makes my heart so happy this is the part of every 50th episode where we just get <laughs> swoopy and tell each other how much we love each other <laughs> but it is really fun and i I I know that we wouldn't have kept up like every two week conversations if we didn't have the podcast. And so it's nice to like have it built into my schedule. Yeah, I love it. I love getting to hang out with you every two weeks. Happy 150 episodes.
Thank you so much for listening to this very special 150th episode. We will be back to normal in two weeks with our regular old It's My Screen Time to review. And you can review us and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can find us on all social media platforms and Gmail at myscreentime2. Send us your show or movie suggestions. We love listener comments. You can recommend articles or just tell us what you think of the show. Our theme music was composed and performed by me and my adorable children, and our podcast is produced by Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV we watch with our kids because we have to and sometimes because we like to. Bye. Bye. Bye.